Hello, welcome, 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 welcome to the whatever it may be podcast with me, Flanagan Humplecheck. I'm the host with the most, and what am I drinking? Essential greens, celery, cucumber, spinach, romaine, kale, lime, parsley. Forget it. It tastes terrible. You got to have your greens. Um, You might notice that I'm holding the mic. You could probably hear me moving it around and shit, and it's probably very annoying. But you know what? We're a very low-budget podcast. So until we get some mic stands in here, this is how I'm going to sound. Okay? And you can like it or hate it. That's just the way. That's just. That's the. That jury's out. Okay? I'm sick of it. Um, what is going on? I'm getting over COVID. I'm finally getting over COVID. I'm sniffling still, but I'm I'm getting over it. Oh, man, what a time it has been with this fucking stupid-ass disease. Let me lay down. What a, what a fucking journey I've been on. How many shows have I watched? A lot. I watched a lot of shows. I watched a very interesting show recently called Are You the One? And basically they take, um, you know, kind of like the lower scrapes of the earth and they put them all (coughs) on one island, 20 of them, 10 guys, 10 gals. And apparently there's like relationship scientists that have um, come up with this equation for a perfect match between... Uh, the guys and the girls out of the 10 out of 10. But they're put on this island to figure out who's their match, right? And, of course, lustfully, they fall in love with other people because they want to bang, 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 bang. But uh, that's not their match. And if they all get it at the end, if they all figure out their match, if they all start thinking with their heart and get it, they all they, they get a million dollars. It's a very interesting show. I love to hate watch stuff like that. And I watched it, and I thought to myself, this is a terrible show, but here I am. I'm watching it. It's on Hulu, um, if you guys want to check it out. I also watched Dope Sick. I struggled with watching Dope Sick for a while because of the title, and I know what it meant, because I've been Dope Sick many a time. Um, it, it covers kind of the Purdue Pharma uh, incident. Uh, you know, it's loosely based on that. Um, with Oxycontin, you guys, uh, some of you might remember, Oxycontin was like the biggest thing. When I was in high school, it was really big. I didn't get into it in high school. I thought it was kind of, you know, only the trashy kids did it. So I didn't really get into it. But, you know, I think after Katrina happened and my brother moved back to where I was, and I started going out and hanging out with a different group of people. I really got into it bad. And I can remember just the plague that it had on the small town I was in. It was everywhere. Everyone was doing it. Girls and guys that I fucking would have never thought would ever do drugs were doing it. Including myself. I wasn't big on drugs. I'm not really, I don't have an addictive personality as far as like stuff like that. And then later on I got addicted to drinking, so... This, this drug really fucked me up, you know? Um, 
But I remember just seeing how crazy the drug would make people. Just the the little things that, or not the little things, but the things that people would do to obtain this drug were just insane. And I watched it. And I didn't do it dumb things to get the drug because it was just always available to me. I either had friends that were like, hey, man, have, have a bump, or I just had, you know, I was working and I had money to pay for it. But I didn't get so uncontrollable to where, like, I just couldn't function. That's That was my thing. And that's the same thing that happened to me with alcohol, really, is that uh, I was still able to do a lot of shit. And I so much was able to do a lot of shit that I had the foresight to just kind of figure out how to get off this shit, you know? And I did. I... I Locked myself in my parents' basement and watched the entire uh, DVD collection of The Sopranos from season one on. And, you know, I went through all the shit, the sweating, the, you know, I would sweat so much to where I had to take a shower to hide it from my mom. She had no idea. And I would, oh man, all these little things I would do. If I was going to throw up, I never threw up in the house. There was a little door that I could leave my room, and I would just go into the woods and dry heave and throw up in the woods. And I'll never forget, my mom actually came out one time and was like, what are you doing out here? And I don't remember what I made up, but I said something about practicing something for basketball or something, and it was such a stupid excuse because I was already out of high school and I wasn't playing basketball. I just remember being like, why did I say that? And I think she was just like, my son's an idiot, and he's crazy. But <coughs> she had no idea. I actually, I've actually talked to her about this. She's like, I, don't, I, don't, I had no idea you were down there rehabilitating yourself off of Oxycontin. And I was. I was rehabilitating myself with Sopranos and home-cooked meals. I would just wait for my mom to cook. I would take a shower. I'd go upstairs. And, you know, if I was sweating, I'd just be like, oh, I just got out of the shower. I'd eat. Oh, man. I was real thin when I was doing oxys. My buddy, I was working at um, the Smoky Mountain Brewery. And my buddy, Jerry, was like, yo, man, you were getting way too skinny. You were getting way too skinny. And I looked at myself, and I remember when I bought the green polo work shirt that I worked in. It was relatively tight on me because I've always been kind of a broad-shouldered guy. And I looked down when he told me that I was getting skinny, and I noticed that my shirt was super loose. And that's when I was like, oh, I can't hide this shit anymore. I'm going to fucking get off of these pills. I'm not doing them anymore. Straight to the basement, I went. Um, but when as I got sober, I started to see how crazy other people got because of this drug. And... My girlfriend at the time included, you know, and I told her, I was like, look, I quit. If you don't quit, like we have to split. And she was like, okay, okay, you know, I'll quit. I'll quit. No, and it's, it's not that easy to quit, to be honest with you. And I knew she didn't, but I, I found out, this is how I found out she didn't. And this is wild. She had logged into my computer on her MySpace profile. And... I had came back to the computer and I thought I was logged into my own. And there was all these little messages. You guys remember MySpace. Some of you probably don't. MySpace is the original TikTok. 
<laughs> no, MySpace is the original anything on the internet socially, I think. Well, maybe there was something before that, but I don't know. But anyway, there was all these messages binging up. And I'm like, who are these fucking messages coming from? And I started to read them because I thought they were my messages. You know, I didn't know who was logged in. I thought it was me. And I got a message from like this. At the time, I was, you know, young. But I got a message from like this 30-year-old dude. Um, or I guess she got the message. And it was like, hey, when are you going to come over? I have pills for you. Like, let's watch a movie and you can take them or some shit like that. And I was like, what the fuck? Why does this dude want to watch a movie with me? I don't want to do pills anymore. I'm done with that shit. And then I realized I was signed into her account. And the other messages are popping up. And it's other older dudes. And there was like a dude in his 50s that was like, hey, I got pills if you want to hang out. I was like, what the fuck, bro? She had been, she had been fucking banging these guys for pills, dude. It was crazy. It was a crazy, crazy realization I had to come to in such a weird event of just my computer being logged into her shit. So I just, I didn't, I, you know, I told her, I said, hey, like, you really need to get help. I, I care about you. I want, I want to see you get help. And she just, you know, was upset. And she was like, fuck you. And I was like, all right, like, I can't be with you anymore. And it was sad. Some sad shit. I remember seeing her at a party and she was just, you know, popping these things like Skittles and literally showing affection to anybody who would give her pills. And I was just like, God damn, I'm so fucking glad I got away from all this shit. This shit is so bad. My brother got into it, too. I remember seeing him on it and shit. You know, he's far off of that shit now. But I remember, you know, watching that, observing that, having him, having him, you know, he he came from New Orleans. Um, we're both from New Orleans. But he at the time, he, he, he evaded the storm and he came to me in Tennessee with my with my mom and uh my my dad and we were you know we kind of took him in because he was like a you know refugee he had to he had to get out of the Katrina nonsense and uh you know we we started hanging out he was like my pal at that point he was I was like yo man like let me show you the ropes and I introduced him to some people but he kind of took more to other people that I really didn't hang out with a lot before he got there and um that's when it all started really but I remember you know he would have me drive in places like you know, um, to go get drugs or whatever. And, dude, we did so much shit. I remember one night. This is crazy. I don't remember if my brother was with me or not, but we went to this party together. And I had been, I think this was before I quit. Yeah, I had been still doing oxy and smoking a lot of weed. And, you know, it was like a cabin party or some shit. And there was this guy there, and I can't say his name because I don't want to, but he was known for fighting people. Big bald fucking tough guy idiot, right? And his ex-girlfriend, I think she was junked out. And she was just looking for pills. So she was like being very flirtatious with me because she knew I had some. Dude, this dude got so pissed he wanted to fight me. So we left. I was like, I fucking can't be here. This dude's going to beat the shit out of me. And so we left. And we get pulled over. And... The cops pull us out. My brother's throwing up. I'm pretty sure my brother was with me, and he was throwing up. I remember that now. And he pulls out this bag of pills. He pulls out the weed we have. And he just fucking empties them both. And then sends us on our way. And I was like, what the fuck? That's crazy we just got away with that shit. And then I started to realize, like, he knows exactly what he was doing. 
the most painful thing he could have done was to just fucking take those pills away. And that's what he did. And that's wild. That's a crazy memory for me. I can't I can't believe the person I was. But you know what? People change. And that's that's the that's the great thing about life, you know? No matter who you are, if you hate it, you can change it. And I did, and I hated it. I fucking hated doing drugs. What sucks about it is that I got into alcohol because I had to get off drugs, and I needed something. I got into alcohol bad, bad, bad. Of course, I'm coming up on seven years sober next May, but <laughs> yes, thank you, thank you. I was doing, and I, it didn't start off bad. I, I didn't start off bad. I was just drinking socially at first. And then a couple of years in, I think, you know, with my little sister's car accident and some other things that happened, I think I just started to use it more as a clutch, and then it became routine. Then it just became like, you got to fucking do this. You can't sleep without it. You can't wake up without it. And you can't go about your day without it. But the thing about me is I was so functioning, no one ever knew. They didn't care about that kind of stuff. Oh, shit. Getting a, I'm getting a telephone call right now. Um, anyway, I didn't mean to go into a crazy story about my addictions and all the stuff of the past. It's just that that Dope Sick show is really good, and you should check it out. It gives you a very good idea of that Oxycontin time, the times of Oxycontin and, and you know, the, the Purdue Pharma bullshit, the people that made it, that profit off of it. Talked about it as a drug that was, you know, Less than 1% or less than something addictive. A non-addictive opiate is what it advertised itself as. So it was, it was there people were popping them like fucking M&Ms. <coughs> also a good story is The Pharmacist on Netflix. It's a great documentary. Docu-series, I should call it. Um, and if you want to learn how all of my family talks and how I spoke before I went to phonetic courses in college, that, that's a good documentary to watch. Really good documentary to watch. The New Orleans accent is heavy in that documentary. St. Bernard Parish. Um, anyway, that's that. Dope Sick is a good show. You should check it out. What else is going on? COVID has been fucking with me heavily. I hate it. My sense of smell, my sense of taste are barely coming back. Of course, I love not having a sense of smell because my whole life I've had a hyper sense of smell. That I got from my mother. Thank you, mom. And if somebody farts from, a, from across to me in a room 40 feet away from me, I'll smell it because I have a hyper sense of smell. And if somebody has bad breath seven feet away from me, I smell it as if they're breathing on my no nostrils. I hate it. I fucking hate it. I have the fucking nose of a dog. I can smell everything. Speaking of dogs, dogs have terrible breath. Dogs have terrible breath, and I smell it with my hypersense of smell all the time, and I hate it. You ever you ever get somebody that has a dog that's licking their face all the time, and they're constantly talking about, oh, they're building up my microbiome. You ever think they just like making out with their dog? <laughs> Don't give me no scientific benefit of your dog sticking their tongue in your nostril and out of your asshole. Just tell me you like making out with your dog. You know? Just tell me that you love making out with your dog. Don't lie to me. Uh, anyway. We are 16 minutes in. 
Um, the sponsors. For those of you listening, uh, I've decided that for $500 a month, that's $100 an episode, you can be sponsored by the Whatever It May Be podcast. How fucking sick is that? That's pretty awesome. Uh, and you can do that. No problem. How about a round of applause for that? Thank you. Yes. Things are heating up. It's scary. But it's it's not a joke. It's real. Uh, COVID is running rampant again. It's all over the place, and there's nothing we can do about it. And um, it's a shame, because I really thought that wearing a mask into a place and then taking it off when I sit down would work. (laughs) I thought it was going to be okay. Oh, man. It's all over the place. Uh, And I think the language is being changed to where instead of trying to avoid it, we are going to have to learn how to live beside it. And that's creepy. That's scary. How did we even get here? Who started this shit? Uh, Little John, don't start no shit, won't be no shit. That's what he always said. And somebody started it, and now we are in this shit. Um, anyway, we're getting a lot of listeners on the podcast. We're getting a lot of listeners, and I just want to say thank you to you guys who are listening and supporting uh, the first two episodes. Nobody gave a shit. But now we are picking up hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of listens. And I'm, I couldn't be more stoked. Again, $500 a month. You could be sponsored by the Whatever It May Be podcast with me, Ample Franklin. Um, and that's just the way it is. What else are you going to do? Are you going to go get sponsored by somebody else for $4,000 a month? I don't think so. Um, anyway, I had a bright idea today to do this podcast, laying down, and, um, I did, I laid down for the entire addiction stories, I laid down, I was laying on my couch, just holding the mic, and you were probably hearing everything. Oh, man, addiction, it's, um, it's a wild thing, and I don't talk about it a lot, because... It is a darker time for me. But I think becoming someone who could look at your addiction in the rear view has been quite possibly one of the most groundbreaking things for me. And I now live beside it. And I can I can look at it in the rear view and the, the, the bad things, the good things, everything that came out of my addiction. I've been so long away from it to where I can place those things in compartments that they need to be placed in and live adjacent to them. And even years out of my addiction, there were still things that I had to fix about, you know, like what was going on with me and, and who was present in my life And what I was doing to either help or hurt those relationships. And alcohol tore me apart to a place of not knowing how to function 
with those things. And I thought so much that since I was such a functioning alcoholic, that I didn't have to pay attention to the things that were really fucked up about my life. And I put it to rest. I woke up in a tub, bleeding from my mouth. And I thought to myself, I, I gotta be here. You know, my brother just had his first daughter, his only daughter, but his first kid. And I said, I'm not gonna fucking, I'm not gonna drink myself into a grave. I gotta be here for that kid. I love that kid. My sweet little niece, Ava. And I cut it off. I got it out of my fucking life. I'm so proud of myself for that. I, I, I am so fucking proud of me for that. And I always look back at it like, yo, that was almost seven years ago. Like, put it to rest. You did it. Get, all, get away from it. Move on from it. And I have, but I'm not moving on from the pride of doing it. It took me so many years after I quit drinking to reformulate my life in a way that I wasn't doing stupid shit because my brain was not functioning well. I wasn't thinking in terms of longevity. I was so here in the now. And, and I, was, I was bad at friendships. I was bad at friendships because, I don't know, I think I held a lot of resentment for things that only I could control, but I felt like others controlled them. I held so much resentment in a sense of like, why am I this fucked up on alcohol all the time and nobody is saying anything? It wasn't their problem. It was my problem, but I, I got out of that problem and held so much resentment that I was not a good friend to a lot of people. And years of being sober meant, you know, just years of not consuming alcohol. It didn't mean years of not still having drunk brain and doing stupid shit. But I'm so, again, everything is a fucking victory and a journey. And I'm, I'm so happy to be on this one and I'm so fucking pleased with myself for re rewiring all this bullshit and you know and therapy's helped a lot but you know when I think about the addictions that I had when I was really young with the oxys and all that other bullshit and how I made the choice to get off of it and I see all this stuff you know in the media about oxy now and all this other stuff and I'm just like wow really dodged a fucking bullet there. And if you or somebody you know is having problems with addiction, don't feel bad because you think you're not doing enough or you think you can't do enough. Because, honestly, the littlest amounts of effort go so far. And, um, you know, don't let it get the best of you. It's kind of what I learned throughout this whole COVID thing is that, you know, like... This thing is taking my body, it's taking control of my body completely. But I'm not going to let it take control of my mind. And I didn't. I started to slip up a little bit in the days where it was very hellacious and I was in the hospital and I couldn't fucking breathe without coughing and I couldn't cough without having a massive headache. I started to let it get to my head. And um, I don't need to. And I won't. And if you get COVID or you get into something like that, don't don't you let it get to your head either. It's all this stuff is so numbing. 
if we can't put it beside ourselves and live within the means of our own intelligence and experience, we're, that's where you get fucked up, dude. That is where you get fucked up. I'm rambling, but it's true. It's how I feel. I could have let this thing fuck me up so bad, but I didn't. I didn't. And it's the same thing with alcohol, and it's the same thing with oxys. I didn't fucking let it. I mean, granted, I let alcohol fuck me up for years, but I got away. And you can do it, too. If you haven't already, or, you know, if if your friend hasn't already, or your, your relative, or whoever it might be. Uh, <laughs> this has just been an episode of butt addiction. I don't know. I don't. I didn't mean for it to go that way, but it went that way, and that's fine because this is whatever it may be, and that's what it's. That's what it is today. Uh, I've been so far from I- the internet recently. I've just been putting my phone down and trying to find things out. Uh, you know, I come from a time where we have to explore everything. And I'm not that fucking old. I'm not old at all. Barely in my 30s. I'm I'm barely in my 30s here. Just in here. I'm just getting in. I just walked through the door and I said, Hey, this is cool. Not quite to the mid-30s yet. But I come from a time where, seriously, we had to explore. We had to find things out. Without our fucking phone, without the internet being so prevalent in our lives. Yeah, we had like AOL and MySpace and all that shit. But that wasn't like this interpersonal connection that was available to you in your pocket at all times, always and forever. And I forgot what that was like. I forgot what that was like. I forgot what it was like to actually find things out. You know? And some people have it on, like, a uh, a much worse scale. And by that, I mean, like, you go to a restaurant, and instead of experiencing the restaurant, you know, which uh, you know, I get people don't want to do because if it's bad, it's bad. But instead of having that fucking experience where you go and you taste it and you taste how fucking great it is or how bad it is to where you have to complain, before you walk in the door or before you get in the car and put it into your GPS, you're looking up a Yelp review. And you're not figuring shit out for yourself at all, which I get. I understand it. Why would I go to a place if it's already been known to be terrible for people? No, I wouldn't. But sometimes you find a little bit of sanity and figuring it the fuck out for yourself. I don't know. I sound like an old man, but I'm not. Stop saying that I'm old because I'm actually super young. I was I was actually just born not too long ago. So, for those of you saying, "Well, you are old. You're you're fucking old." Oh man, I did not mean to yell at you. Sorry. Here's a wafer. Here's a wafer for you. <laughs> Who eats wafers? I think just churches, right? Does anybody eat wafers? What the fuck is a wafer? Wafers. Oh. Old people eat wafers. Okay. You guys remember vanilla wafers? Manila wafers? What are the little fucking cookies in the yellow box with the red writing? It was... They were terrible. 
They were awful. There's an old lady that used to give them to me, and I'd look at her every time and say, what are you doing? What are you doing? This might be good for you to take out your dentures and gnaw on. This isn't good for me. This whole episode's about things that aren't good for me. Uh, I love you guys. I appreciate you guys for listening. We are rounding up on the 30-minute mark. You have listened to me babble for 30 minutes. A couple of things I want to quickly go over again. For all the brands out there, uh, a couple of brands hit me up already about the podcast, but I can't respond to all of you, obviously, and I will try to, but I'll just go ahead and let you know, for $100 an episode, I will take that sponsorship. That's just five big ones a month, and I'll figure out a creative way to implement it into the podcast, because that's the kind of guy I am. I'm a creative idiot. Uh... More episodes coming up. We have got the system from my buddy Brendan now to where we can have a multi-mic setup and I can have guests in here. So as soon as I eradicate COVID from my little studio, I will have guests. Got some pretty good guests that I've already talked to that are that are dying to come on. They want to get on here and they want to talk about they want to talk about feet. It's the new craze. Everybody's playing with feet now. I'm kidding. I don't know what they want to talk about, but Whatever's clever. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Whatever it may be with me, Jay Cyrus. And I'll see you guys next week. Hope you enjoyed this episode. It's brought to you and sponsored by Greens Greens Juice. Specifically, uh, celery, cucumber, spinach, romaine, kale, lime, and parsley. Uh, all, the, all the greens. Thank you so much again for listening. And I'll see you next week. On the whatever it may be podcast. Y'all.